Welcome to the Trevor Turnbull Show, where you'll hear vulnerable, honest stories that will inspire you to embrace your mess and live your best life. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the show. My guest today is Nick Cavuto. So Nick and I uh, met actually in person, or not even in person, but just virtually through Zoom, because that's what we do nowadays, but for the first time about three months ago. And we really uh, hit it off right when we first connected. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that we kind of ran in similar circles. We had different friends and mentors that were in the same space, I guess you would say. But we really connected on the level of the fact that you know, we both spent a considerable amount of time documenting our journeys, creating content, creating micro content, sharing that content with the world, all in the with the purpose of um, serving and helping other people. And when I found out that Nick had a company called Tenure Brands that actually does this, we ended up signing some of our clients up for him. There's just so much possibility in all of that. And our conversations have led to some really deep chats about, you know, purpose and what does it mean to define your values and your mission and vision and how cloudy that can get for people and and just the journeys that we've had along the way and trying to do that for ourselves too and ultimately what drives us, right? So I think you're really going to enjoy meeting Nick. We had a great conversation that went 10 different directions, not planned at all, but exactly how it was supposed to be. And I think you'll get a lot of value out of this. And Nick's somebody that you need to know. He's somebody you need to connect with, somebody you need to follow, and just an all-around good guy. So let's go ahead and give this one a listen. All right, Nick Cavuto. How are you, my friend? Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to chat with me here. Doing awesome, Trevor. Thanks so much for having me here, brother. Um, yeah, yeah. Honor. So, yeah, for me too, man. Like we we haven't known each other that long. I think we were kind of running in similar circles for a while and knew similar people. You know, like Cam Snow is obviously a mutual friend and um, a client to yours, and then Scott Oldford. And there's been these intertwining, like you know, we're we're kind of brothers, but we'd never never met before. You know, didn't have a similar <laughs> mother, but. Yeah, just always enjoy my chats with you. And uh, and the last time we talked, I was like, we gotta we gotta flip the switch here and, and do a quick interview. I want people to to meet you and and hear your message. So uh, this is gonna be fun, man. This is gonna be fun. Thank you, brother. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm pumped to be here. And yeah, I mean, Cameron and and Scott are phenomenal people. And you know, it goes true in life, right? That the sometimes you meet people who know other people who you know. And the character line seems to be the trend where everyone has high integrity and they're up to something. And it's fun to be around people who are up to something like yourself. So thanks for including me, man. I appreciate it a ton. Absolutely. Yeah. Just to give you a little context here, because I didn't give you a, a ton of preparation before this, but we just said, ah, let's just wing it. This is what we do every day, man. But uh, <laughs> you know, the reason why I created this podcast, this show, whatever you want to call it, was because I wanted a platform to just be able to share some of the amazing conversations I have and to introduce people to my network. And there's been some really grounding principles, and you'll hear it throughout the questions that I'll ask you. But like, there's one quote by Brene Brown. I'm just reading it right now. Uh, One day you will tell your story of how you overcame what you went through, and it will be somebody else's survival guide. And that's just one of many things that have kind of grounded me in um, why I'm doing this, right? And obviously it's for legacy and for my kids to be able to see that like dad was showing up every day to be the greatest version of himself. And the reason why I was so excited to uh, talk to you is I I was telling you, I did some 
some research, just looking at your Facebook page and kind of like how you're uh, putting messages out to the world and how you coach people and that type of thing. And I'm just going to read a few of these out. These are some of the recent quotes on Nick's personal Facebook page, which we'll link up, by the way, for anybody that wants to check it out. But one of them was, thank you for not believing in me. That's it, right? It was just like, thank you for not believing with, in me. And like to the right person, it's like, oh, hell yes. That, I know that. I know what you're talking about. Um, I'll read a few more and then I'll let you respond. But uh, what would your life look like if you were in control of your reactions? That's a powerful statement too. If you try, you risk failure. If you don't, you ensure it. Love that. Uh, I've got like four. Uh, your disappointments are going to lead to your destiny. That really resonates for me too. It's the, the whole context of like the messy journey that we go on and how we get to embrace our story as ugly as it might look or as de- you know destitute it might uh, appear at, at different times. Uh, be a good person. I know you don't have the t-shirt on right now, but a lot of times in your videos and photos, he's got just literally be a good person. Man, what a great foundational piece for all aspects of business and life, you know, especially in sales too. Mm. And then... The most recent one that I saw was, if you keep playing small, you're going to get steamrolled. And that one really landed. So all of this stuff did. Like, And I know anybody that's watching this can probably relate to each one of those statements. Like, Where does these things come from? What, what got Nick to the point of being able to speak like that? Because I'm sure you didn't come out of the womb and instantly become an entrepreneur and this super confident person that realized that like your disappointments are going to lead to your destiny. So... Let's give, give everybody a little bit of the story of Nick. What brought you to this point of being able to say stuff like that? Dude, it's just been a journey, brother. I mean, most people don't know this about me, but uh, I spent, you know, since the time I was a little kid, like three years old, I mean, one of my first memories is like sleeping under a pew at like a evangelical Christian revival. It's not always part of the front end of my story, although I do talk about it often. And so I've spent my entire life every week around public speakers. And so I've heard the contextual conversations. I've energetically been able to feel like when someone is not in alignment, uh, when they sabotage moments versus embracing them, I have watched speakers who have the most insane and greatest ability cower to fear because they don't feel like they're good enough to go give their greatest message. I've watched it all. I've seen it all. I've watched people quit. I've watched people push through hard things. And so there's this bedrock and this foundational element where like people are like, man, you're like an old soul. And um, yeah, I think there's truth to that uh, conceptually, rather universally. I think that God is up to something. But I look at it more practically and I'm like, I've just never been afraid to talk about the things in my life that I failed at. And that's my superpower. I can say, you know, thank you for not believing in me because there are people who haven't. And I've talked about them before. You know, there's no skeleton in the closet. Like it's all out there in the open. I can say if you keep playing small, you're going to get steamrolled because I've put the deposits in other people's hearts enough times that they know that it's coming from a place of compassion and love for them to challenge them to go at a higher level so that they don't honestly like end up forfeiting their greatest gifting. So that's where a lot of this stuff comes from. I was also a pastor for seven years. And so uh, I never spoke on a stage one time, but I understood how to love people around a table. It's a 10,000-member church. I mean, all the opportunity in the world should have been there for me to speak, but I was running things behind the scenes. It was my season of preparation. And um, I always questioned that, Trevor. I was always like, you know, I was muted as a person. 
I felt like I had no contribution. My dad has an eighth grade education. He never really spoke, although he was asked several times. He always denied it because he felt like he wasn't good enough. And I was like, that's not going to be my story. That's yours. It's not going to be my story. And so there was some type of fracture point where I was like, I went through ministry, did all the things and still didn't you know, really break through the one thing that my dad was unable to break through in the same context. And entrepreneurship awarded me a second opportunity to do it. So one day I was having a conversation with my dad. I remember I was sitting just in this room here in Colorado. And I said, dad, you know, I feel like uh, I just want to continue to give my greatest gift to the world. I just feel like so many elements of business are strangling me. Like there's different moments of where I feel totally free and like I can go do my greatest work. And then other moments where I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm sinking again, you know? <laughs> and he said, Nick, you're an, you're an oracle for God. Just open your mouth. And when someone who is a wounded healer walking with a limp, because I know he struggled to do the same thing, and it gets me highly emotional because I have so much belief in him. I can see his greatest contribution in my life, and I just wish that other people could see that. I have a responsibility, man, to step up. Man, I can't even believe how this has hit me. It's crazy. Yeah. But I do. I have a responsibility to step up and to encourage other people to do the same. So I'm okay being the wounded healer. I'm okay walking with a limp, but healing people and helping other people who have the same condition. If I can't do it for myself, it doesn't mean that I can't do it for them. And that's the power of the transfer of belief. And that's why I think that, uh, um, you know, God has created people so that we can be a reflection and a, uh, see things in others that we are incapable of seeing in ourselves. And I think that's life's greatest gift. So that's what got me here, man. Yeah. And the, I was going to say, and you've already, you already articulated it there. It's, it's a belief system is a major foundational piece of it, right? Like I can always speak on this podcast from my own perspective, but I think a lot of people can relate to it. Like when I finally stepped out of being small and, and that's not to even say that I believe that, that there's not more that I can be doing and giving to, because there is like, I'm constantly pushing myself even too and wanting to, you know, meet people like you and have great conversations. But when I think back to how hard I hustled as an entrepreneur for like a good decade, even longer, like 2007 through like 2017, it didn't hit me that I was holding myself back until somebody told me to slow down and challenge my beliefs as opposed to learning the next tactic and doing the next thing and, you know, coordinating the next joint venture opportunity and, you know, scheming up the next product offer and launch and like all these things that we hear about when you finally leap into this world of entrepreneurship and you start learning. And, and it's, it's like drinking from the fire hose, right? There's so much information out there. And I've become, you know, the best example of it, I believe, in my world anyways, of somebody that said, yeah, you just didn't even know what you didn't know until somebody told you to slow down and trust yourself and take the leap every once in a while and believe that on the other side of it is exactly what you want, right? And some of these quotes that you're talking about here really speak to that, you know? And I know you just hosted a, a live event and we were just kind of joking around about it because you're like, man, the last 45 days, you know, because we haven't talked <laughs> for about six weeks. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's a great example of you just taking action and, and you know, not playing small. There's You have every reason to not do that, right? COVID, travel restrictions, man, you're running a business that's like going through a massive growth phase right now. Got people coming and going, 
what made you want to do the event? What was the thing? And you kind of alluded to it before, but I'd love for you to say it out loud. Like, why did you do an event within with like 10 days notice for people? And, and how did it go? I'd love to hear it too. Yeah. The reason why I did it was it really boils down to intent. You know, a lot of times we try to solve all of our problems with a with a lens that is rather self-limiting. Uh, um, it's rather uh, narrow. And I'm just of the belief that, um, you know, if there's something that you feel compelled to do, whether that's to buy someone a new car when seemingly you can't afford it, whether that's to give someone the thing in life, whether that's love or compassion or whatever the thing may be, or maybe it's monetary, or maybe it's has to do with, uh, you know, something on a deeper level for you that you need, but you're willing to give it instead of receive it. That's what the portal is that opens of where abundance can come into your life. And this is not like pie in the sky mindset. This is foundational principles, how I live my life. And I think that's what people really find uh, unique about my journey and also uh, around the community that I surround myself with, with other people who believe the same thing. I just, I think I'd rather be known for having audacious faith than having a heavy pocket. Like to me, that doesn't matter. It's a pathway. It's just gas. I, I don't care about the gas. I care about where we're going and the journey that we're on. So, um, it went amazing. It was the best event I've ever hosted. Uh, we just scheduled our next one for November 3rd through the 5th here in Denver. It's called The Gathering. And I take people through three different days of really starting within your core business problems, transcending into more of your relational challenges. And it's just conversation. It's a campfire. It's a living room. I mean, I'm not here to be Gandhi. I'm here to just love on the people who are on me. stage. Yeah, I hate stages. Yeah. I want stages to dismantle them. Part of my life's mission is to, I think, in a, in a certain pattern and form, is to cure the, the abuse of power. So where you see tribal shaming and entrepreneurship, where you see like hierarchy structure, like I come in and there's this perception that there's like, damn, like this guy knows what he's talking about. He's a guru, knows all the stuff. And I just go like, I just want to sit at the table with you. And then it's like, wait, what? Right? There's this whole like dissociative kind of experience of like, no, but I'm here to tell you what to do and or I'm, I'm here to learn from you so you can tell me what to do, but you're asking me in reflection of what I think is the best idea and then overcoming my objections with higher belief. It's a very unique experience that, uh, that I do. So yeah, when I just tell people like, hey, uh, this is what I'm doing, I just, I get a number in my head if I know, already know how many people are going to show up and I just go like, okay. And I just say, hey, and I send people private messages and just go like, hey, this is what I'm doing. I feel like it'd be great for you to be there. And they just one by one by one by one. And some people were booking two days before, like the night before. I mean, we had one guy from Florida book the night before and flew here, like got a hotel, flew here, whatever, with one day's notice and had a massive <laughs> transformation. Like you can't make this stuff up and you also can't plan. I think I just like leaving room for, for the unknown, for God to do what only he can do because it's what allows me to back away from the table and go like, you know what? You solved this problem. And that opens the gateway for something divine to happen in our lives. That's just the way that I was raised, and it's what I believe. Well, I watched the video that you guys prepared, which, by the way, well, I want to talk about that a bit, too, because anybody that's watching here, too, the way that we got connected was just we're, we're very much, uh, uh, you know, proactive in our own personal branding and creating video and micro contents and believe that everybody should be doing it, especially if you're running your own business, you're a coach, you're a consultant, and you can leverage a personal brand, which I believe everybody could, but especially the entrepreneurs of the world. 
But that video that I saw, though, and I did watch the whole thing, man. It was one of those things, like, your your content is one of those things where I'll find myself 25 minutes in going, like, whoa, should have went to bed yeah. already, but I'm watching this, you know? <laughs> but the thing that stood out to me, it was, it was a promo video basically talking about this event that you had coming up in 10 days, and it was you doing, I think it was for the previous one, actually. It was, like, pre-recorded from the previous one, but it was you just uh, hopping on video calls with people and having conversations and it wasn't you reading from a big long list of, and you're going to get this, and we're going to have it catered, and we're going to have this speaker and this speaker, like all these features that people might be sold based on. But rather, it was just you truly showing up in service and saying, I don't even know exactly what it's going to be, but I just know it's going to be pretty epic. And I thought of you, and I think you should be there. And I think anybody that's watching this, what I'd like to say on that is like, take that to heart when you're thinking about sales process. Like if you're going to try and sell anything and you're trying to automate it and figure out a scale and all that stuff, like just throw it out the damn window, man, and just go and connect with people, you know? Be personal, like personalize your outreach, which means like get on a phone. You know, if you can, go meet them face-to-face. I know it's more difficult nowadays, but that's why uh, I'm such an advocate for video both contents and even messaging to do outreach and stuff too. But uh, on that to that context though too, have you ever read the book uh, Give and Take by Adam Grant? Oh, dude, you should check it out. You are a classic giver. And the whole book just gives, it's it's a quite a big book actually. It's like a 12-hour audible, which is quite long. Like most books are not that long, but he talks about it. And this is kind of generalizing, but he's like, who wins, givers or takers? And then there's also matchers in the middle. And he defines what each one is. And he said that the evidence says that like givers on average don't win, but givers are also the ones that uh, that receive the most back. So the givers do win and they don't win. It's kind of the whole analogy of the book. And he gives all these examples of you know, speaking about like selflessness too. Like, is it selfish to be self? Should you be selfless and selfish? Can you be those at the same time? And how can you make sure you take care of yourself, but at the same time, like buy somebody a car, even if you don't have the money. And it's such an interesting conversation. I think you'd really enjoy the read, man. Yeah, dude, I would, I would love to check it out. I definitely will. And I think to your point, it's like a lot of times that's, it is our limitation where you go like, well, I, I can't. But what if I was to tell you that if you did, that you would get 10 times whatever it is in your business that it was to purchase that car for that person. That's where the element of stretching belief comes from. And classically, it's defined as faith. But I've I heard people say a lot, you know, choose, uh, what is it? Uh, choose, choose uh, faith over fear. And I'm like, no, how about we choose fun over fear? And we allow that to be a catalyst to our faith. See, the interesting thing is, is that when you're running from a bear, you cannot have fun. It's not fun to run from a bear. And most entrepreneurs that I meet are running from something, whether that's their past. They're not running to something, they're running from it. They're not, they may be running from their circumstance, from their marriage, from you know their obligations and responsibilities. So when I can pull down a lightning rod from heaven and shove it in the ground and they can just stand in the circle with me, there's a groundedness that happens of where these things start to kind of move off of them like all the distractions and all the frustrations. That's why I bring people out here and I don't go like, oh, hey, let me just go do a one-on-one inside your business. I think that business is a micro tool in my pocket and it has nothing to do with my greatest calling. I think it has to do with my own process of me garnering the belief that's required for me, but in addition to start accessing the ability to give a gift to others. 
My wife's father was killed when she was very young, uh, and we want to start a foundation for him. Most people don't know this about me, that like I'm building relationships today that one day I'll do those same phone calls and I'll go, hey, we're starting the foundation. I'd love to know if you'd be interested in you know, contributing to help us help kids without parents and single moms with, without income. That's the difference, bro. It's intent. The reason why I do what I do is so much different than most people. But I think there's also this, in this age of being rather idealistic for most people, the idea of just doing things the right way, be a good person, you know, show up and serve and I'll trust the process on the boomerang. I don't need to ask people. I don't need to take from people. I don't need to expect anything from people because I expect it from God. So there's just a different level of relationship for me of going, what's the boomerang? For me, it's just being in alignment. But the benefit is like, well, what's going to happen in the future for my wife's legacy, for her, for her father? What's going to happen there? And that's what I'm going towards. So all the books and all the strategies and all the stuff, I'm like, yes, there's 3D things we need to learn. I think I've learned everything that I can learn in this season of my life. So I'll go to emotional intelligence and say, how can I show more empathy? How can I care more? How can I be more compassionately curious to people? And then I go into 5D, if you will, or just another stage of just like, you know, God, what's been your promise over my life? And how can I, you know, he says, you have not because you ask not. So how can I ask you for more? How can I have the faith to ask you for more to do the impossible? And then I solve problems in that space of just meditation and prayer. I solve so many problems there that show up as some overnight success here. Oh man, I love this conversation. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. And I do believe that this is what will this will be the pathway for how I will continue to grow my influence in business. Uh, is having a very different conversation. I already know what the finish line is, I already know what it looks like. I've already been there you know, as far as in my imagination and what I think is possible. So it's just taking one step and putting one foot in front of the other every day in order to just fulfill that promise. You open to talking about what that finish line looks like? Sure, man. We can go wherever you yeah. want, dude. What, is it, what does it look like to you? Because I'll tell you, the first thing that comes up for me is I'm thinking about like the words around like values, mission, and vision and how like five years ago when I was hustling and learning and like, excelling as an entrepreneur in the online space. Like I've done well, you know, but I still hit a point where I was like, like, why am I doing this? You know, like I love it. Like I'm working 14 hours a day and I actually love it. But deep down inside, I kind of know I'm kind of killing myself here. And am I really doing this for the right reasons? And like, oh my God, what's my purpose on this world? Breakdown. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I need to go find that answer. And then I started searching for like, um, well, what does it mean to create a mission statement personally and for a business? What does it mean to define your values? What does it mean to have a vision and, you know, in the business terms, like a big, hairy, audacious goal that you're that you're working towards? I'd be interested to know what that looks like for you. Like, how far off is that? How big, hairy, and audacious is it for you? Well, or does that even come into play on this? I, I think it does, and I think it doesn't. You know, I think that, we try to solve, let's call it, for the lack of better terms, spiritual problems in our physical reality. And not just being with our hands, right? Like you can touch it and you can, you can, you know, express like visibly, you can touch it, you can feel it. And I just think that that's not the best way to solve every problem in life. And so for me, I'm going like, what, God, what did you promise me last? What did you tell me when I was a kid and I had an experience with you? That's what I'm so, um, 
I, I pushed away for so long, man. I ran from this side of me for so long because it's scary. It's like there's this element of like, I don't want to be misunderstood, right? It's the greatest disconnect in society is being misunderstood. It's not necessarily being rejected, but just, no, that's not what I meant, or that's not my heart, or that's not what I was trying to say, right? For me, I'm just, I look at it and I'm like, to define and, and, and to have clarity in your purpose requires a spiritual conversation, not a natural one. So the depths of the turmoil, the things that you face is just God going like, I'll let you go through the storm again because I'm sitting here waiting for you to just come back and ask me. That's how I see it. So I think that it's a call to action, the storms of our life and the uncertainties and the things that we do not know in the moments of breakdown get, get us to the opportunity of where we can break through something. And a lot of times we just go around the problem, right? It's like we pacify, we go around the issue when God wants to go through the issue with you so that he can show you that he's right there. And he can help you. And so I think that's been a big part of my journey is I stopped trying to figure it out. And I said, I, one of my quotes was like, your purpose is every 14 seconds. You're in it. The difference is what lens are you seeing through? Are you looking through my entrepreneurial, I'm a great funnel builder, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's a very practical need. Or are you looking at like, this is a part of my story. It's a you know, Alan Weiss says that you will be known for being a specialist before you're a generalist. Like you're going to be known for something. Just choose whatever that is. And that's just an access point to, I think, higher influence. But in my opinion, it's just, that's the stuff beneath the surface of where it's like life spirals and spins and gets chaotic and difficult when subconsciously, I think we want a bigger answer from a greater divine source that can give us clarity on what's next. The problem is we don't know how to access it. So what the future looks like for me and where I'm going um, and what I can see down, down the line is like, it's, it's truly like looking at that there's three different ways to solve a problem. There is a very real and natural way, a mechanical way, an intellectual way, IQ to solve a problem. You have EQ to solve a problem. It's emotional intelligence. So it's like spidey senses a little bit, but it's like positive psychology or it may be like Jedi mind tricks, Okay. So it's like, it's like there's the psychology part, there's the emotional part, the, oh, okay, in relationship with my wife, she's not frustrated with me. She's actually in a spot right now where she feels afraid and I need to listen to that and go into the pain with her so that I can have a transparent like experience with her. And I can go like, oh, I feel you. Instead of being triggered and being like, screw this, like I'm gonna go do whatever I want, right? So that's the great, that's the second layer. And we could do that with our clients and we can do that with companies that we work with to share and understand and have empathy towards the pain that they experience and also the successes that they want. And then the, the third layer is solving problems, I think, spiritually. And I think this is the cool thing about business, that entrepreneurs are committed to the highest level of themselves. That's why they're going to change the world, not because they create great apps and widgets and technologies. It's because they're forward advancing consciousness in a way that has never, in my opinion, at least the world that we know, has never been experienced. So the pace at which people are evolving to go like, why does the practical stuff, the IQ stuff not work anymore to solve this problem? Oh, because, right, mindset, right? That's a big conversation right now. So while I see mindset is a great conversation point, it's not the answer. So my whole thesis is basically based on Star Wars there's green swords, there's blue swords, there's red swords. There's multiple ways to ascend to whatever the Jedi master level is. You're either going to do that, what would be perceived as the right way. Uh, the, the green sword is kind of the middle of the roadway. And then you have the red sword, which is you know by being a villain and getting to that point of ascension through that model. 
I don't know which one's right. I don't care which one's right. All I care about is that I open up the conversation to people to start solving their practical business and personal challenges by leveraging a different sword, a different source, a different way for them to go, hold on a second, what's really going on here? And you have to master the emotional stuff first before you can go and master you know, the spiritual stuff. I grew up in the most emotionally explosive, chaotic Italian family you could ever imagine. So for me, I had to learn how to master emotional tension uh, since I was born, right? So for zero to 18, mastery came in the form of osmosis. And so the only th- other thing I needed to conquer was the spiritual stuff, which I had also experienced my whole life. So all of this was just me going like identifying and then agreeing and then going, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Pastor entrepreneurs, what the hell does that mean? Go love on them. Yeah. Sweet, then that's what I'll do. This is deep, man. Um, what I heard there too, and this will be the quotable, embrace the journey 14 seconds at a time. <laughs> because, because that's what lands for me more than anything too, is like, I remember when I was searching for the answers around values, mission, and vision, because that was what I could wrap my intellectual brain around. I realized that finding the answers to those still weren't the answers that I was looking for. It was literally what I was going through in the moments and the fact that I had to like slow down and go like, oh, wait a second. My life's pretty freaking awesome right now. Like, what am I striving? Yeah, of course. Like, we're moving our family to Costa Rica. And the vision is that I'm picking my kids up in an open-air Jeep. And we're going and surfing. And, like, they're learning emotional intelligence and how to actually manage money and all these things in school. Like, there is a vision that includes these, like, checklist items and stuff. But the truth is, is that, you know, we're very comfortable. Like, we're not in any kind of scarcity or, or threats. Like, we have shelter. We have love in our family. You know, we've got two beautiful boys. We've gone through a crazy journey to get there, but I got everything. I have everything already, you know? For the first time in in history that we know, happiness is the source of what people aim to achieve. Because think about it, right? Like, even if you go back a hundred years, survival was still required. Like, now with technology and with advancements in health and all of these other elements and Uber Eats and everything else, we don't have the same challenges that we've primarily had in our body and in our experience. We have not had those since, you know, like mid-19 or early 1900s in the same way that we ever had them before. That's why so many people are so trapped in depression and anxiety and all this stuff, because the goal was never to just be happy. It was to survive. So our pre-wiring, our operating system is still in survival mode of like, here's what I need to do. And again, that's why so many of the conversations are so focused on like, okay, well then take this pill or do this thing or, or you know, have this experience. And it's like, no, it's, it's if we can get, if we can tap into a different layer of what we know to be true, that becomes the North Star. And it pulls us out of like, I need this 3D happiness, which is what? It's fleeing. They don't want happiness. They want safety. It's not success. It's safety that they're looking for. They just don't know it. So it's just like, just stop running. You're running from the boogeyman. It's, it's literally a poofy cloud. Stop running. Just stay in the moment and go like, okay, is there anything really there? No. Okay, interesting. Now I just want to run again because I'm used to running, right? And that's the magic. It's the presence in that moment that allows you to go like, no, there's nothing I need to run from. And I can be calm and confident and secure in this moment and then redefine what I want my experience to be. And that's kind of what you're talking about is like, you want to do all these things, but you have all the things that you need. So you're just, yeah, dude, embrace it. There's somebody on the opposite side of the world who can't say that. 
But there's also somebody 50 to 100 years ago who would only dream of being in the chair that you're in right now. And we both know that to be true. So when we have safety, we can have success. And when we have safety and success, we can find luck. And that's where we just live life a little bit differently because we're going like, damn, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky to be here. I'm so lucky to have my wife, my kids, my health, my this, my that. I'm so lucky to even be able to dream and think about the fact that I could go do uh, this move. That's what pulls you into a different state of, I think, which is true euphoric happiness, which is having the safety, having the security, and truly having the ability to be lucky. Luck is divine. But every day I go to Starbucks, when I do go, I buy coffee for the person behind me. Why? It makes them feel lucky. And I know if I can give them that luck nugget just for one time that day, God picked me, the universe picked me, whatever, it will change the course of every interaction that they have with the next 100 people. So I'm like, I just try to get people to feel lucky throughout the day if I can just be that one seed for them that changes the game. So I think that's the conversation, man. But you're in such a cool spot. Like, you're so lucky, dude. How does that feel? I know. Put that on. I I am, man. I uh, <laughs> actually just post. I just posted something uh, two days ago on LinkedIn. And it was one of those moments where I had to stop myself and remember that how lucky I am, but that I also created this, you know? And in fact, that was the post. I I wrote, or I read a book in 2007. Um, it was The Lonely Planet Story. I can't remember the name of the actual book now, but, you know, The Lonely Planet guidebooks and stuff before the internet existed. People oh, would take yeah. a book with them to Thailand. Mm-hmm. So this couple created this company in like the 70s, I think it was, or the 60s. And they traveled from the UK through Afghanistan, like pre, like when it wasn't a war-torn country, you know, through Southeast Asia, down to Australia. Then they took all their notes along the way of the places they stayed and the waterfalls they checked out and they sold them to people. And then it just blew up from there, right? And then they had a family and then they brought their kids up to base camp and stuff. And I remembered reading that book and going, yep, that right there. That is my future. I have no idea how, because I was literally in a moment where I was like, couldn't hold a job because I wasn't employable. I just didn't feel motivated to work for other people. I was floundering as an entrepreneur, but I was like, someday. And I had to stop and just go, like, my wife and I booked two months in Costa Rica in December and January this year to go get our feet on the ground and find our next home so we can move there and start living that life. And I was like, shit, I did it, you know? It's already happening. You know, isn't that funny? (laughs) And I feel extremely lucky and grateful. And I also feel like I created that, like you just said, you know, it's like I created that, but it wasn't overnight. It was one step at a time and 4,000 stumbles along the way. (laughs) Yeah, dude. You know, I think of this funny story of Noah. um, And it's like, you know, the idea is this crazy guy builds a boat for a hundred years and everyone laughs at him till the rain comes. And that's kind of the funny thing like I think about, and this is just my dialect for the people who are listening who are like, where all these stories come from? It's just, it's just my dialect. It's like my translation of life. And so I look at it in reverse and I'm like, it's funny because for all those years you doubted, but you kept swinging the hammer and you built that reality for yourself and for your family. And now when the rain is coming in certain ways throughout, you know, uh, what we, the human experience has been for the last year, <laughs> it's like, you now have a different level of freedom and of what you've created. And you can go like, this is what I planned for. This is what I stepped into. And you know what? What a great freaking opportunity for you to tell a story about perseverance and never giving up. You chose to keep swinging, even when it was hard. Even if you were on the ground and you were like hitting it like over your head, like I'm still swinging. Like you didn't give up, bro. You didn't give up. And that's that's worth celebrating and also taking a second to recognize and celebrate you for, bro. You did it. 
Yeah. I appreciate it. I will celebrate yeah. myself. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And it kind of, I've got another uh, like six questions I want to ask. Dude, you yeah, are, let's run through them. More man. like lightning round kind of stuff. So we'll, we'll go through them fairly quickly. But I just wanted to mention too that like the reason or part of the reason why you and I connected was just around content, micro content, sharing the journey one little piece at a time, right? And I dove in a year and a half ago, I guess, and started creating content. In fact, there's somebody I want to introduce you to. Her name's Danielle Grant. And she started as a mindset mentor for our program, but she's really a a spiritual mentor now. Like she's evolved herself too, to be beyond just the mindset component. But she was a real catalyst in saying like, hey, you're telling people that they should create content, but like you're not doing it. And I still remember the conversation. It was in this office and I was like, yeah, but that's because I've spent 10 years. I got an email list. People know who I am. I don't need to create content. She's like, do you know how out of line that sounds? And I was like, oh, shit. So I started and I like stumble, 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 stumble. And eventually I was like, okay, so this is getting easier. All I got to do is just record the things that I'm already talking about and then post-produce it and write some good copy and make sure the headlines, the titles look good and put it out into the world. You know, a year later, I've got 350 video con- pieces of content. And like this podcast right here will obviously be a 45 or 50 minute interview, but we're going to chop this sucker up too. And it'll be more little micro pieces. And I think the grounding piece for me and all of that too is just to say like, what would my kids think if they watch this later on? Like right now they might think like, oh, whatever. They're too young to even know. But like, you know, if they're in the cool years of teenager years, they might be like, whatever, dad. But I want them looking at it someday and just being like, wow, like look at how he swung that hammer. Even when he didn't know the answer on the other side, he just kept going, you know? Because how else, what better way to like um, raise kids than to just be the example, right? And document it. Dude, I've had so many moments. You know, I have three kids, my fourth, We'll be here in about four weeks. And I remember there's so many times I remember my dad had a 40th. Yeah. Yeah. So we have uh, my dad, he, he had, I remember he had his 40th birthday. It was a surprise party my mom threw for him. And I can still like play the home movie in my head of us all walking in the door, right? Like I can still, like the experience is very rich for me. And I'm 34. So I'm like six years from that point. And I was taking a walk with my dad and my mentor here in Denver. And uh, my mentor is just, like me, you know, he's going to ask hard questions, deep questions. And so he asked my dad, what's your biggest regret in life? I mean, he met him like five minutes later. He's just like, can develop that relationship and just go there and just wanted to love on him, you know? And he's like, well, um, I'll tell you the hardest thing I ever had to do. And, and my dad uh, was an entrepreneur. And then he had to turn that in to make $18,000 a year and work for as a bread delivery driver. But he did it because he would only ever see us from like midnight to 3 a.m. in our cribs because he worked and owned businesses and him and my grandfather. So like he worked 20 hours a day, like legitimately. And he's like, I just said enough is enough. I'm not doing that anymore. I wish to God that I could go watch that movie. Context for my kids through my own human experience. There's so much of that trauma and that stuff that's locked up in us, the memories that are locked up where I'm like, I don't remember anything for 15 years. Yeah, this gives probably a lot of hard moments there that just haven't been accessible. But if I could watch it a day in the life of my dad making those decisions and weighing the consequences of either side, but knowing what the future is, I mean, it's mind-blowing. So absolutely, I totally believe it for you. And I think that's the cool thing. Like when your kids are your age, they'll sit here and watch this interview and go like, dang. So either I want to like, I'm still aspiring to be like dad or like, I've actually passed him and it's good to see where, where he was and it gives them the confidence to go do their even that much more, whatever their own expression is of that reality. So 
it's really cool, man. And you're that's that's a great why. So don't don't ever stop, man. And plus, you inspire a lot of people, dude. So, well, I think we, I feel like we can go deep on that one because, like, my head immediately goes to like envisioning the future too, and how my kids will be walking around with a drone that's just flying beside them, <laughs> recording twenty four hours of their day. And some automated AI system that's naturally just pulling out the pieces that become the the documentary and the like, dude, I see this stuff and I know it exists. It just doesn't exist yet. Do you know what I mean? So like totally, even what totally. even what we're doing with with uh, you know, because we're you and I are both very on the cutting edge of like doing this stuff and helping other people do this stuff and documenting their journey and creating the content. And we're even gonna look back at this and go, Yeah, you remember when we used to actually have to like post-produce these videos and you had to chop them <laughs> up and now it's just like flip a That's switch it. and it's done. That's how it's going to be, man. I mean, there's there's no question. Nothing is slowing down. So, uh, yeah, the question is not how to keep up, but I think how to stay out in front. And that's what I'm always focusing on is just how do I stay out in front and uh, not trip my, over my own two feet because the pathway is very clear. It's just, I just got to make sure I don't trip over my own toes. Yep. Love it. Okay, so let's get into so I Lighting call this round. Yeah, I call this the power of one. Don't feel like you need to give like one word answers or anything like that. Feel free and please do elaborate on whatever comes up for you, but it's all around the same theme of the power of one. In fact, I got the book right here. I keep bringing this up because it was such a influential book for me to just, you know, really start to focus, you know? Like I was so all over the place like 4 years ago. So the theme is around that. So here's the first question. Who is one person slash mentor that's been the most influential in your life all time? Who's the person that comes up? My dad. Why is that? Because I think my dad lived transparent, even though there were hard moments. Uh, my dad was very honest and transparent. I never saw his investment in my life until I became a father. So I never really understood what he was doing until after. But my dad lived out of fear. So his lens was constantly, I don't want them to become like I was. My dad was an entrepreneur, yes. But before that, he was a drug dealer uh, from 13 to 30. So, you know, and when my brother, when my, he met my mom and then my mom's like, I'm not going to live a life like this, you know, then he had to make a decision to basically start all over again. Did it with my grandfather that had to start all over again. So I'm actually through my dad's story and I kind of start connecting the dots later in life and how those moments happened. And I have no concept as a kid or understanding, but I gathered great empathy for him later on in life. And I, I realized he was my greatest teacher, even when I never knew it. And um, yeah, I mean, undoubtedly, he has, uh, he has been the person who's gave the most with the least amount of expectation in return and the least amount of credit. Unconditional love, sounds like. Yeah, dude, straight up, straight <laughs> up, man. And he's awesome. And we have a great relationship now. And but uh, yeah, by far, Big Wayne. Love yeah. it. Cool. Next question. Who is one person or mentor that is the most influential in your life right now, would you say? Tony Gremmeyer. Yeah, Tony Gremmeyer taught this me that. This is the guy you were referencing before that asked your dad the question about regret? Yeah. 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 yeah he, he taught me the, uh, what it looks like to show someone compassion and love through showing up consistently over and over and over again. He's 13 years sober. Um, so a lot of his life centers around connection and contribution. But the, I think the greatest thing that he did for me was to, you know, show me what, when he says he's going to do something and, and does it. It's not that I had people in my life who would make a lot of excuses or that I've had my own experiences where that happens, but 
just the power of the uh, staying power and pushing through and making things happen. And also he'll get in the car and drive 15 minutes and call eight people. Like I've never seen anything like it in my life. He can have 30 <laughs> second conversations and just go, Hey, how's it going? Great. Awesome. Just wanted to check in. See you. Bye. Picks it up. Goes again. Picks it up. Goes again. Picks it up. Goes again. I've never seen anything like it in my life. So by far, um, not only that, um, the staying power part is also that like, he's willing to get in the boat with you, even when you know that the boat is sinking and he can see it too. Yeah, I remember after COVID, I lost a million dollars in revenue in two days. And so he was like, let's go, you know, up to this little community thing. See, those in my neighborhood. Let's go up to the top and, you know, you pull out all your finances and we'll go through them. I'll pull out all mine and I'll show you mine. He was willing to get in the boat. He was willing to do the hard thing. He was willing to like get in the mud. He's not afraid of the work that's required in the mud. So as long as he knows that he can help you get out. And, um, that takes that takes not only the love of a friend but a brother and somebody who truly believes in you when they can see themselves in your own experience. And that's what I think was really powerful for him. Simon Sinek said it this way. He said, I thanked my mentor one day. He said, I walked up with my, my mentor and I said, put my arm around him and said, thank you so much for being my mentor. And he looked back at him and said, no, thank you for being mine. We never understand the power of mentorship because it's a two-way pattern that a lot of times we just, we see that person is so much greater than or, or more powerful than or so much capable, so much more capable than that we lose the ability to see our own gift. And uh, so that's why mentorship is so cool. And it's, it's the, one of the greatest gifts in the world. Yeah. No doubt. Love that answer. Next question. What is one philanthropic cause that means the most to you and why? The one that I'll do in the future. I mean, my first opportunity was inside of the nonprofit world. So unfortunately, I saw some of the not so sexy things around that. Um, and I think that the uh, causes in the world, the nobility of uh, causes can be questioned. And I think that we need to question them. I think a lot of times it's like the bright, shiny package with the bow on top. And it's like, oh, there's nothing inside here. You don't need to look. Well, I've been behind those walls and inside of those books and reading off of those financial documents. And there's a lot more under the hood there. So I think, uh, you know, discernment and being wise of where you invest your treasure and things that you believe in, I think is a very, very important concept. And I think a lot of people just like, like to be cause-based because it seems like the right thing to do because we live in a very idealistic time uh, in the world. But I think what's even more empty is people who say uh, that they support a cause, but don't even contribute to it. <laughs> so like, for me, that's an integrity problem. It's like, oh yeah, you guys go. I'm gonna just stay over here and good luck. You know, um, to me, there's something wrong with that. So, the the one I'll be the most committed to, and that I believe in the most, is the one that I feel like brings the most healing to people. And there's plenty of them in the world, by the way. There's plenty of them that do that. Um, so long for me, uh, I have not found one where I feel like I have the integrity to invest. And I think that's because God's working on my heart and softening my heart in some of the places that were broken, but also giving me the faith required to find the gap and then go do it on my own. I think the greatest thing, because generosity is the root of all the things that I do. It's my one big thing. My one big word is generosity. So it's not, it's not, a, it's not an act of giving. Um, meaning if you go like, what's the one cause you believe in? And it's like, the giving's not the only thing required. I think if you roll it back, I'm like, what I could do for a lady whose car breaks down with a one-year-old kid and can't afford to buy another one is a way greater contribution than me just sending X amount to some organization of where I will never even have like an accountability report that says how it was used. So we sponsor kids who are in developing countries, um, Compassion International and a bunch of other places. Anytime I have a, a chance to buy food for a kid, 
uh, elevating Christian ministries is another one. Anytime that we can do that, I'll do it all day long. I mean, if people have basic need in their children, I think they're uh, it's worth seeking after. But you need the accountability and close uh, closed loop to understand how those are being resourced. And um, yeah, the world is corrupt, and what's right will be wrong, and what's wrong will be right. So wherever there's the greatest contribution of a gift, there's the greatest risk for deception, and so people need to be mindful of that. It's mm, a great answer. Sorry, it's long-winded, man. I just, no, no, it's, it goes it's the, yeah. good, man. No, I like it. There's so much of it that I align with, too, because there, when I was first asked that question and the reason why I put it in there, it was actually Danielle um, Grants who asked me it on her podcast. Like, I stopped for a moment. I was like, I don't. I, I don't have one particular thing, and I don't give any money to anything. But I believe that I take, you know, make daily or at least weekly acts that, contribute, you know, that are, are giving back, that are showing that kindness and caring and, but they're what, and it just brought up a lot for me to think like, is this a financial thing? Am I creating a story that I can't afford this? Wait a second. Should I be doing more? Like all the, it's, it's real, it's just always a really interesting answer that I get from every single person. Cause it's different for everybody. It's different for everybody, but I love your answer. It was great. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I love it. Man. All right. So Couple more here. These are the big ones. What is one thing that you are most grateful for right now? I think the power of forgiveness. You know, life is life is beautiful, but it's not always peachy, right? Peachy and fuzzy. And um, you know, there have been hard things that recently I've had to make really hard decisions, and and there's nothing that uh, you know for me that was out of integrity. But I think forgiveness was a word that got brought up to me about a month ago. And sometimes these things like fall into your, you know, it's kind of like when you see the red car and then you keep seeing red cars that comes into your frame of mind. And and someone brought up something to me about forgiveness. I remember it just felt really heavy. I was like, whoa, like, that's like one of life's hardest things, you know? And I was confronted with a situation of where I had to really forgive someone, like insanely forgive them. And the villain in me just like, you know, because we go through life's drama triangle of like, I'm a hero who gets victimized and then becomes a villain. I mean, that's the story and then goes to kill the hero. So for me, um, I had to make a, a very strong decision to not allow a pass for someone's uh, behavior actions, but uh, to choose another time to seek the best from them and to believe that they have the right intention, but it's just life happens. And also that the challenges that they face, I do not understand. So the choice of forgiveness allowed me to develop greater empathy in that scenario to understand someone's pain more, which then allowed me to have a greater love for them. So that's definitely, that was the first thing that came to my head, which is kind of strange, but it's the first thing that came to my head for me. And I am, wow, insanely grateful for that. Insanely grateful for that. Yeah. I just went to Google here to look for this quote which is holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die, right? It's around the <laughs> yeah. same kind of analogy. Yeah. That without forgiveness, you end up holding in all these things and it just eats at you, you know? Like even if somebody's really done you wrong in a way that you can't even comprehend, <laughs> there's just so yeah, much. Yeah, my, uh, my, my from learning that. from that in a moment is to be in the pain with the other person. That way, it doesn't have a sting and it doesn't have any type of kind of like oppression over you. It's just go like, I'll actually go in pain with you. So what is it? You have to understand. So you have to ask questions. Well, what are you experiencing and what is it like? And what are you feeling? And not fix somebody, 
but just go like, I know that it may feel scary for you or hard for you or uncertain for you. And you're going through your own experience. So let me just jump in the big, you know, boat of pain with you. And I'll just grab the sword and shove it in. You're coming at me with it anyway. I might as well just grab it and put it in and just go like, okay, now I'm right here with you. So what you wanted, right? So now we can have this experience in the little dance of like compassion. And, and I think that's what it allows. It's very hard to do. I mean, I had to make a very strong decision to do it. But when you do, it's very liberating. And uh, yeah, I think it's noble too. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> Two more to go here. Well, dude, I know we have time here, but I haven't gone this long on an interview yet. It's just such a good conversation here. I hope you're okay with going a few more Dude, I'm, I'm, I got nothing We're good. for the rest of the day, man. Awesome. Um, what is one thing that you're most curious about? So something that you want to explore further, understand better, get better at? Well, there's like these two, there's two elements. I know space always has made me very curious. And I've just science, like that science angle for somewhere in my brain. Uh, one of my, my grandmother's brothers designed the inside of the Apollo 8 and um, so there's something there that's always been like where I have this curiosity about space. And then my son, like when when I was actually uh, traveling last week, my wife redid his whole room and it's all space. And I'm like, oh, isn't that interesting? Of course. Um, so um, I think that's one thing that's really practical. I think another thing is like, I, I'm not afraid to to try to go through my own journey to like understand my kids better and like why I respond to certain things the way that I do. Um Sometimes life at home is really easy with the kids, like super fun. And when I can really think of like, I'm running up those stairs uh, when I'm done with work and I could be like the crazy fun dad. And and it's, it is a conscious decision to go into like, I'm going to give them the gift of joy today. Like I have to make that decision. And when I do, it's like the best day ever. And then also like, there's these moments of where like, it's really hard to activate and I can't figure out why. And I think that's just because you know, life and circumstances and just how to find the balance so I can show up for them in the best way possible, I think is important. So I'm curious about when they say certain things and I feel like really, really shitty. And I'm like, oh, I, like, oh, that just crushes me. What part of me got crushed by the same thing? So how can I actually like not go like, you know, oh, don't say that. That's ridiculous. But just go like, oh, tell me more when I'm feeling like I'm going to throw up because I probably had a similar experience. So I think that's that's part of the curiosity is like, we're always willing to do more for others than we will for ourselves. So in our own repair process for us, if we just are willing to ask the deeper question and be curious, compassionately curious, we actually find a lot of answers to stuff that just like, oh, pff, that makes sense. And then it just doesn't pop up ever again because now you have clarity. So so that's the more ethereal one, but the practical one is I love space and I'm very curious what's out there. Another great answer. Yeah, the space side of things. I uh, I had a neighbor that got really triggered the other day when I brought up the Branson going up into space and, you know, weight, weightlessness and whatnot. He's like, whoa, these billionaires and uh, they spent all this money and should be doing this. And there was part of me that was kind of like, yeah, he's not wrong in certain aspects. But I was like, where did that trigger come from? Because what I instantly thought about was I watched the TED Talk of the scientist that's talking about how how our kids are going to live on Mars. Like he literally talked about the science of how it's going to be possible and the timelines even too. And it's like, shit, this is in our lifetime, man. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Like we're going to live through this. We may not, we may not get there, but our kids might, our kids, kids might, you know? And it just came back again to like beliefs, possibility, 
So, you know, in the same context of what you're saying, it's like, it was just forgiveness. Like right now he's just in this state of like, because he, he went off about like, damn, I can barely pay my mortgage, you know? Oh, exactly <laughs> How am I gonna right. Go to so space, going, what, you else is, what else is going on there, right? Yeah, yeah. So it was a lot of forgiveness and empathy and at the same time, excitement and living in possibility. It's just a human experience, man. It's so crazy. So crazy. You know what's funny? Um, you know, we used to, Les Brown, right? He was the guy who said, uh, shoot for the stars and hit the moon. Well, now you can shoot for Mars. <laughs> so like the distance of what's possible, both ethereal and practical is so much greater that like our responsibility to dream 10 times, 100 times, 1,000, whatever the distance equation is, now that's what reality is, right? And so that's this is part of the constant of evolving and and the nature of humanity is if you want to live at that level, like you've got to continue to dream bigger. And if I, I have audited tons of entrepreneurs and I ask them like to set, spend, like show me all your time that you're spending a week in one week, I want to see everywhere where you're spending your time. And none of them are spending time dreaming. None of them. And so I'm like, okay, well then how are you going to get to where you want to go? But um, it's just a wild thing. But Robert uh, Zubrin, I'm not sure if you've heard of Robert Zubrin before, but he is like basically the godfather of Mars of the whole endeavor to go do it. And I found out last year, it's my wife's mom's cousin. We live in Colorado and they live here. And yeah, we went to his house. And I mean, it's just like Mars stuff everywhere. Mars pins, all this. So again, these things show up in my life. And then like, they're like, oh yeah, you know, they're pulling out all the like the photo albums, like old school. I feel it's like Stranger Things. You got like the future of Mars and then you have like the floral couch with like literally the plastic, you know, like album thing. Oh, here's his picture, him and Elon. And I mean, Elon like is like, this guy was a mentor to me in order to make this a reality. And that's directly connected. One, just one, like literally it's our, my wife's, uh, what is it? First cousin once removed. Isn't that interesting? I don't know. I just think it's kind of fascinating and cool. So she's like, oh, yeah, if you ever want to come up, they all work at Lockheed. And they're like, if you ever want to come up, just let us know. And I'm like, as long as Elon's going to be there, I'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you know, and I also thought about Branson. And I'll say this in two seconds. You know, I've realized that as I've grown in life very quickly, you know, like I went from being in ministry making $24,000 a year to being a millionaire three years later. The decision patterns when you have more money, and this guy, maybe maybe that's not his story, but when you understand it's, it's context. That's why I said I learned the most from my dad when I became one. Because once you can arrive at a similar point, and if he had billions of dollars, he probably would do the same thing. So it's just releasing the judgment and going like, what can I learn from that? Well, more than likely that, you know, Bezos has enough money to pay everyone in the world. I think it was uh, 20, uh, 20, let me see to pay everyone in the world a million dollars 27 times or something crazy right now. He could do that right now. So if they want to solve world hunger, but can't, why? If they want to solve AIDS and they have the resources to do it, then why? If they want to solve, you know, climate issues, and this is what it requires to do it, and he has the funds, then why? There's got to be something else there because who in their right mind, if they were truly human, who in their right mind would not try to solve those problems? There's got to be a bigger equation we just don't understand about decisions and how it works and everything else. So anyway, I just offer that to anybody else who might be saying, well, I feel the same way as the guy who's your neighbor, you know, looking over the fence. And it's like, well, you just don't understand the soil that someone else is standing on. And you just need to give space for that to be the reality. Good one. All right. Last question for you. What <laughs> is one thing that scares you right now? Something that you know you need to face with bravery? It's going to take me a minute to figure out. I think because I just did that on Saturday this past week, less than a week ago. I just I just did that. Um, that was a part of the forgiveness thing. And it's cool. I had my event here and there were two guys who were here. Um, 
who are just amazing coaches and collaborators. And you know, they're like, Hey dude, we, we think we got something for you, you know? And I was like, I'll oh, bring it. Cause I've been asking for God for this for a while. And, uh, it was a really cool moment. So I think there's nothing that comes up for me right now. I think the only thing that pops is like, that I just want to make the best decisions with the information that I know today for my life, for my business, for my health, for my family that I possibly can. And because I'm a lifelong learner and I know that this is a life of completion for me, like there seems like this element of just like kind of bringing all things together, you know, faith to just, and uh, to just keep on keeping on and to dream and to think of the impossible. And, you know, there's a quiet confidence. Um, but I also think that there's like, I want to have more audacious faith to do the impossible, like in an instant. And I think that there's something unique about that, but yeah, I mean, leading my team, well, leading my family, well, there's a lot of like moving parts in life right now with like business and new opportunities and how all these things are working. So just to pick the right stuff, you know, whatever we commit to both energetically, but also practically determines our future. Everyone keeps saying, you know, like (laughs) I said something about this the other day, but like, oh yeah, this is my year, you know, now we're six months in the year and it's like, now you're here. Right. So the future feels far away, but it's really tomorrow. It's literally the next second. So it's just honestly like not being afraid to step into what's possible for me and to make the right decisions along the way. And if I screw up, I hopefully God has, uh, hopefully God has a pretty dope GPS where you can go like recalculate and just push me back on the right path. But I'm very open. I leave my hands open to that. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that's it. I think it's a very appropriate answer considering the conversation that we've had along the way here too. Um, yeah, I just want to acknowledge you, man, for taking the time, going deep on some of these conversations. I know you mentioned that you talked about a few things that you haven't really talked about much. And that's a part of uh, my you know, purpose in doing this is to have real, real vulnerable, honest conversations with people to be able to just have the emotion of what they're experiencing in life really come out because it'll serve other people to actually hear that. And hopefully... It'll be something for you too, even to look back on. Cause I, I want to have you back on in the future too. That's the whole point of this is like, let's check back in in three or six months. You know, let's, what's changed since then? It's going to be so interesting to just see the evolution of all this stuff with all these amazing people. Dude, I'm so, so with you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for giving a gift today and for holding space. And I mean, uh, just allowing me to be honest. Isn't it interesting the power of being honest? I think for a lot of people, it's like they could assume that some of this conversation is like just, you know, some of it may, they may say it's not for me or it's a little bit out there. It's like, but I'm being honest. And so all I have asked for anybody else is to be honest about what their experience is. And that came from this one thing. I don't know how it came out, but it was like a DJ, like just presses like the button and it just plays in my head and comes out, which is when you judge yourself, you can't learn. I don't judge anything about my experience anymore about how good or bad of a father I am or a husband or a business owner. I just go like, I'm just here to learn. I'm just learning. So with that, you can have open hands and it's chemistry. It's you're learning what goes together and what doesn't, what explodes, what doesn't. And it's life's a little bit more fun that way. So anyway, tons of fun, man. Thank you. Yeah. Drops shoulders a little bit, lets you enjoy the journey, right? So how can people connect with you, find out more about what you got going on? Give us a few yeah, links man. and where they can connect. Yeah. Nick Cavuto on social anywhere. That's N-I-C-K-C-A-V, like victory, U-O-T-O. And uh, also you can check out 10-Year Brands, not T-E-N, like Y-E-A-R, not 10 years, but 10-year, like a long time, like a college professor who stays at a college. The reason why we did that, 10yearbrands.com, is because uh, we believe that we want to build relationships with our clients 
And so a long-term relationship is required to do that. So we want people thinking long-term when they work with us. But yeah, uh, people can find out what I'm up to there. You can find out more about me and my story at nickfudo.com. And uh, yeah, everywhere else on social media. So just come say, hey. Cool, man. I'll link it all up uh, for everybody that's watching and listening to this so that you can go and connect with Nick. And dude, I'm excited to head up on the spaceship and go to Mars with you at some point. In the Hell future. yeah, yeah. Let's I'm go. putting it into the space right now. <laughs> Let's make it happen. Dude, let's build a rocket ship in Costa Rica. Hey, there you go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Dude, yeah, in it. Costa Rica, for sure. Come down. You know, let's let's create a little community. Let's build our own rocket ships. I'm into that. (laughs) All right, man. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate you. 100%, brother. Thank you, man. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Trevor Turnbull Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please consider subscribing on my YouTube channel and on your favorite podcast platform and leave me a review. I'd love to hear from you. Now, until next time, remember, today is a beautiful day of opportunity. Trust that you're exactly where you're supposed to be right now. So be grateful, be curious, and be brave.